Come to the death kitchen. Let's go. Hey. All right. Welcome to the GK Show. Fun music at the beginning. Yeah. Having a good day. Let's start the pod. Okay, welcome back to the GK Show. It's been a, lo- a very, very long time. See, I can't even speak. I uh, decided to start doing this again. Um, I have the time a little bit now. My kids are a little bit older, so I'm not constantly changing diapers and everything. And so I figured, why not? Some people were asking, how come I stopped doing it? And so I'm going to really try and hit it this time. And I'll be putting out clips on of the show on Instagram. And you guys can check it out there. So I'm in a little bit of a time crunch, as always. Uh, what I do this weekend, I'll get to some... Uh, informative articles in a second i like to try and let's try and uh, break down some things that can help you know in, in one way or another uh people so i'll try and do that every day i'll try and find some funny yelp reviews that crack me up and have a couple other segments i'm working on but today just gonna get started because i have a little bit of time here before i have to leave the house again take care of the family so um i saw the paw patrol movie this weekend with my family i didn't go by myself Although back in the day, it would have been fun to just, you know, smoke a little bit and go watch that Paw Patrol movie by myself. But I went with my wife and my kids. And uh, fun movie, obviously. It's a kid's movie. Good stuff. I had a bit of a problem with the Paw Patrol movie, though. I found some uh, flaws in the storyline that just I couldn't get over. There's a bug in my house. Is that a, I don't know if that's lint falling or whatever. So... Here are my issues with the Paw Patrol movie. Now, if you don't know what Paw Patrol is, Paw Patrol is a cartoon TV show for kids, a bunch of dogs, and they're cops, and they save the day, right? And they live in Adventure Bay, and they're always saving everything, right? So, and there's a, I didn't know this because I'm always just kind of watching on the side, but uh, when my kids are watching it, you know, I'm not really fully paying attention. But there's a guy named Ryder who's a kid, right? And he's in charge, he's a human kid, he's in charge of the Paw Patrol, right? So in the movie, spoiler alert, they have to go to Adventure City, which is not Adventure Bay, two different places, and they get to Adventure City, and Ryder has these super cool headquarters for the Paw Patrol, right? And the dogs are like, whoa, this is so crazy. How can we afford this? And then Ryder goes, oh, he like pulls up a Paw Patrol t-shirt, and I don't know if this was like to push the merchandise on the people. I feel like if you're at the Paw Patrol movie, you already have Paw Patrol merchandise, or at least you are aware that Paw Patrol merchandise exists, right? So he pulls up the shirt and he goes, oh, this Paw Patrol uh, merchandise is selling like hotcakes. He said something like that, like selling like hotcakes or, you know, people can't get enough of our Paw Patrol merchandise, right? And the dogs were like, oh, okay. And I'm sitting there like, wait a second, dude. How much do these dogs get paid? They don't even know about the Paw Patrol merchandise. They're saving the day right and left every day. Every time there's a 
uh, some chaos or a crisis. The Paw Patrol comes and saves the day. And Ryder, the one human who's in charge of them, is just like, yeah, Paw Patrol merchandise. People can't get enough of it. I'm worth $3 billion. You guys keep working for $17.50 an hour. What's going on, Ryder? Can we get a cut of that money? At the very end of the movie... Chase has to overcome his fear of being in Adventure City because that's where he was stranded as a, as a pup, which I, st- I didn't understand that either because they're all supposed to be puppies. They even make it a point at the beginning of the movie, this guy's like, what, a dog's going to save me? And then Chase is like, I'm actually a puppy. And then, it, and then they, they go, oh, when he was a puppy, he was left here. And it, this movie, come on. I mean, I wish I was a part of it, obviously. but um, so, so at the end of the movie, Ryder is stuck under a boulder. Chase overcomes his fear. He makes this huge jump, and he's about to save Ryder, and he saves him, obviously. He moves the boulder and all that stuff. And I was in there. I told my wife, I go, if I was Chase, I'm like, hey, man, before I move this rock, where's all the fucking money, dude? Where's the money, Ryder? You've been selling Paw Patrol merchandise with our likeness on it for how many years? Wait, is this why you live in a big house and we eat milk bones? They literally ate milk bones out of a suitcase in this movie. And they should be, you know, 10, 10 times over millionaires. They should all be worth like 10, 20, 50 million dollars, I feel like. But Ryder is living it up. I bet Ryder's doing cocaine. I bet he's banging a bunch of prostitutes, you know, when off the clock. I just don't trust Ryder at all. So that was one thing I had a major problem with. With the movie the other thing okay we had a little audio hiccup there i didn't know if i was recording but so here's the second thing that bothered me about the paw patrol movie um mayor humdinger is uh the evil guy in the movie he's the villain right he's bad guys bad mayor he has all these bad ideas also evil he's mean he likes cats which kind of like if you're a cat person you know but i get paw patrol or dogs so he's really into uh cats he hates dogs perfect for some some problems for the paw patrol right so he keeps unveiling in the movie for the press and for like spectators, you know, a bunch of citizens of the city of Adventure City. Um, he's unveiling these projects, right? And they're all blown away by him. And one of them was he made the subway thing like a big loop, like it's like a like a roller coaster. Had these three huge loops. Just as, it was a joke, it's supposed to be like a obviously it's like the worst idea ever. Why would anyone want to go upside down? They're not strapped in, and obviously that becomes a big problem. And you know, when they first try and avail it. But the, my point is they're huge. They're in the middle of the city, these huge roller coaster loops. They're purple. And he's like, check it out. And then the press and the people watching are like, whoa, what is this? And I'm like, you didn't see this being built in the middle of your city? You didn't, no one noticed this earlier than the day it like, uh, was unveiled? <clears throat> and then he built like on top of a big uh, skyscraper. He built this huge tower and his office is on top. And later in the movie, he unveils that and everyone's blown away again. Like, what? <laughs> I'm like, you didn't see a construction crew for months working on this? So there you go. I had some issues with the Paw Patrol movie. But overall, great flick. Really enjoyed it. My, it's so. If anyone has kids, watching your little kids enjoy a movie. I mean, I've, I've been to movies with them before you know this is the first time since the whole pandemic or whatever but oh my god it's so fun watching them enjoy it and my daughter talks so much during the movie like i got to keep you know like hey keep it down you know it's not a magic johnson theater but she is uh she's like something will happen and she's one of those people that is so annoying if it's an adult when it's a kid it's cute when it's your kid i guess it's cute uh she'll be like yeah uh oh that he's like saying that because it's like 
that person just did that. Just kind of saying exactly what happened, and you're like, yeah, no shit. But uh, anyways, they love it, and it is great. All right. Um, I sold a couple. This was a couple months ago. I sold a couple suits on OfferUp. You know, I had these suits. They don't fit me anymore. I'm not as thin as I used to be. I can't believe how great a shape I used to be in. You know, I started. I I, I kind of lost it a little bit, and I'm trying to bring it back. Um, but I don't, I don't think I'll ever be that thin again, especially my legs. I, like I have, I have no ass, but apparently my ass got bigger. So anyways, these suits don't fit anymore. Right. And uh, a couple quick side notes. Okay. I thought of, they're nice suits. Then they're in like, uh, well, not nice. Like they're worth thousands of dollars, but they, they're very like newish still. Like they're not all beat up or anything. It's not like I wear suits every day. So I was like, hey, man, who can I think of that might fit into these suits I can just give them to, you know, like friends of mine. So I hit up a couple comics that I'm friends with, and one of them, um, like, hey, man, what size suit do you wear? I got these suits, blah, blah, blah. I told him, and he's like, oh, he's like, I only wear custom suits. Like, I always have my suits, like, made for me. And I'm like, all right, cool, you know, whatever. And then another guy I hit up, and these are people I'm obviously, like, semi-close to, at least I feel semi-close to. Like, uh, the second guy I hit up, you know, I've been to his house and everything. So I hit him up and I go, hey man, I go, what size suit do you wear? And he was like, oh, that's a random question or something. And I'm like, oh yeah, I go, but now when I'm trying to give you a couple suits, I go, I got, and then I just explained, I go, I have these suits. And uh, one was like a blue, like navy blue pinstripe. And uh, it's like, I wore, I've only worn it a few times in great condition. It's this size or whatever. And uh, the other one is, uh, you know, I told him what the other one was, whatever, you guys don't care. But I told him what the other one was. I'm like, yeah, they just don't fit me anymore. Uh, I barely ever wore them. I never wore suits a lot. So I was wondering if like, he was giving away to a, a friend or something. So I was wondering what size you are. And then he, he has his read receipts on, on his iPhone. So you could tell when he read the message. I mean, obviously it's been so long now. He clearly read the message. But he just read that message and fucking never responded. It's like, just say no. Th- I don't care if you take my suits or not. I'm not like, hey, you need these suits. But hit me with, oh, uh, thanks, but no thanks, man. Like, I got suits, or I don't wear suits, or whatever. Like, you know, I appreciate the offer. No, appreciate the offer, anything. I could never, I don't know. Like, maybe he just, like, forgot to respond. But I could never just ignore somebody that's offering me something. Even if it's something I'd never want, I'd be like, oh, thanks for thinking of me. But no thanks. You know what I mean? Come on. So anyways, I end up selling them somehow on offer up, right? And uh, I have no luck selling stuff on that. Well, not, not no luck. I have very little luck. My wife will put stuff on there and end up getting, she'll put like furniture that she bought and she'll end up getting more than what she paid for it. Sometimes people will be like, I'll give you two fifty for that. And she, Christy will tell me like, Oh, someone's coming over to pick up the blah, blah, blah. Um, they're giving us 250 bucks. I'm like, what do you pay for it? You know, just cause I'm curious. And she's like, I paid 200. I'm like, what? I'm trying to sell like brand new, sh- not brand new, but like shoes I wore like twice or something, or that were given to me or something. I don't know. I, I have a hard time selling stuff. So, uh, so this guy goes, Hey man, like, I'd really like those, uh, suits, you know, or you said, we want one of them. Like, Oh, like I have another one, same size, same brand and everything. And he was like, all right. He's like, yeah, he's like, I'll, I'll, I'll check out both. And then, I'll, uh, and I think he wanted a pair of my shoes too. And then, so I was like, oh, okay, just so you know, like, here's some other stuff I'm selling just, just so I can, you know, if you're interested at all, I'll bring it. I'm not trying to force it on you or anything. And the guy was like, yeah, he's like, bring this and this. Like, I'm not interested in those. I'm like, all right, cool. I show up. Okay, I'm 5'10", 5'10 and a half. And I mean, obviously, I'm not as thin as I used to be. But I'm not like, you know, I guess I'm kind of a little bit maybe wide in my shoulders or something. I don't know. This guy was like, 
I feel like this dude was at least two inches taller than me, probably three. Like he was probably like six one, and I was. Just, I, I'm not the type of person that's like, "Fuck this guy, dude. He wants to give me money. I'm gonna give him these suits." I, he's like looking at him. He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, you know, these look perfect." And I'm just sitting there going, "I don't think these suits are gonna fit this dude." Like. I don't know how they'd fit this guy, like especially his legs, because like I said, I'm five, I have skinny legs, and I'm five. T- I don't have like the skinniest legs. I don't have like hipster legs, you know. Um, but I, I don't have big legs. I, like I said, I don't have like a big ass or anything. And these pants, like I cannot get these pants like to buckle anymore, you know. So I'm just like, uh. So I said to him, I'm like, and he's like trying on the shoes. And he's like, oh, I'll take these, but these no, like they don't really fit. Like not too comfortable. I'm like, all right, cool. And I said, hey man, do you want to? do I like try on the suits? Cause I just, I just want to make sure they fit, you know, like I'm not trying to just like take your money if you're, you know, and screw you over. And he's like, no, 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 these are perfect. These are perfect. And I, I'm just like, <laughs> and I started like, this is what I'm probably bad at this. I tried to like almost talk him out of it. I was like, uh, are you sure, man? Cause what? Like how the fuck are they going to fit? I didn't say that to him, but I'm just like, how are these suits going to fit this guy? They do not fit me anymore. And I'm shorter than this guy. He wasn't like super thin. That's the thing. If he was like rail thin, like one of those, you know, super hipster guy type of thing, like Silver Lake dude or something, you're like, all right, yeah, I could see you wearing this. But I don't understand how those pants, especially, are going to fit him. Even the, whatever, the jacket. So I was like, you want to try them on? He's like, no, I know this brand. I have uh, some of these. These sizes are fine. And I was like, all right. And I mean, I never heard from the guy. But obviously, he's not going to be like a bitch about it. Like, if he fucking wanted the suits and I tried to give him an out and he bought them, he's not going to be like, hey, I'm not taking these suits, you know, give me my money back. But uh, that's, not, that's not how OfferUp works, right? But to this day, I think that guy tried on those suits and was like, these don't fit at all. And just chalked it up to a loss. So, uh, sorry to that guy. He's a lawyer, too. So, he can get very litigious with me. Um,. Let me see. While I'm while I'm looking at the next thing, I want to talk about. Uh, I had COVID. I think I had COVID twice because I had COVID. Uh, I think I had COVID in January of 2020, which is no way to know. My dad's one of those people who's like, "You never tested positive. How do you know? You never tested positive." I'm like, "There were no tests." <laughs> I didn't have a test. There's no test to take. No one was even saying COVID. No one was even saying coronavirus in January 2020, except for like, I don't know, like the people who actually kind of knew it was coming over here, but no one in the news or anything. And so anyways, uh, and I got it again. So I probably got the Delta. I got real sick. I was real sick in January 2020. And the lady at the Department of Health, I talked to her on the phone. She called me because they won't ask questions, you know, but people that test positive. It's funny. She's like, do you have any time? I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm in quarantine. I have nothing to do. I'm going to kill that bug. So um, I was like, uh, so the lady from the Department of Health was like, do you have any time to talk? I was like, yeah, I tested positive. That's why you called me. So I have 14 days to just sit in a room doing nothing. Anyways, uh, so I, I explained to her. I was like, yeah, I kind of, she's like, oh, you know, she asked me about like vaccine stuff and everything. And then I was like, you know, I kind of, th- I thought I had it before. And I told her what happened and everything. She's like, Sounds like COVID to me. She's like, obviously, there's like no way to know for sure, but she's like, definitely sounds like you had it before. But my dad's so funny. He's like, if you, unless you test, man, it never happened. I'm like, okay. Oh, speaking of my dad, 
Here's a good little transition. Then we'll get into a couple articles and then I do need to leave because I have to uh, go pick up my wife. Her car's in the shop. So my dad, okay, I have been uh, during the last uh, year, you know, I started like helping my dad out with uh, some of his uh, business stuff, right? Because, you know, I'm a comedian and everything shut down for a long time. So I help him out when I can. And uh, so basically my point is like, you know, I always get back to my parents or text messages or anything calls with anyone. But now that if my dad hits me up, I kind of try and stay on top of it because it's like could be he needs me to do something, right? Help him out. And uh, so my dad uh, texts me, right? I'm eating an apple sitting in my kitchen. Just paint the scene for you. I'm eating an apple in my kitchen watching a YouTube video on my phone, right? And my dad texts me and I see a little dad drop down, you know? And I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I'll finish this video and then I'll check his text, right? Then like 10, 20 seconds later, my dad starts FaceTiming me, which is a little weird because my dad usually just calls me. I'll FaceTime him if I'm with the kids or something, but uh, starts FaceTiming me. So then I think, okay, well, maybe this is important. So... I pick up the FaceTime, and it was the longest second of my life. My dad accidentally FaceTimed me. Fine, it happens. His phone was on the floor, shooting up. He totally butt-ass naked, stepping into the tub. Yeah, I saw it all, okay? Right up. The 71-year-old taint, balls, schmeckle, booty. <laughs> it's like, I saw that and it's like, you know, your mind works real fast. I was on that FaceTime for maybe a second, probably 0.9, to, 0.9 seconds to one full second is what I'd give it. But in that time, I was like, I should yell at him. No, this is the worst thing ever. I can't believe what I just saw. How did I see so many things so fast? Boom, I just hung up. And then... I texted him, like he texted me some, oh, I checked his text, right? And I responded to his text and I go, thanks, also thanks for FaceTiming me totally ass naked while you're stepping over your phone to get into the shower. And he never read it. He has his read receipts on, right? And I didn't realize he never read it. Fast forward a couple hours, he calls me and he's like, oh, hey, Jeff, uh, I got my ballot in the mail for the recall thing. Like, how do you fill it out? You know, like, and I'm, he's just talking to me normal. And I was like, what? You want to talk about ballots? I'm like, no, nah, dude. We're not talking about ballots, okay? I go, let's talk about you FaceTiming me naked with your phone on the ground shooting up at your taint. And he goes, what? And I go, you didn't... And I looked at my phone and I checked the text and I go, you didn't read the text yet. And he said, what text? And then he tells me... This is what I think. Knowing my dad, if he does something like that, what he'll say is it didn't happen. That's what I was assuming. He'd be like, that never happened. You're like, I'd make that. Why would I make that up? Right. And uh, so I thought he was gonna be like, that never happened. That never happened. You know, I don't like you talking like this, Jeff. That never happened. That's like his usual go to. This is what my this was even better. This is what my dad did this time. He just goes, he's like, you better erase it. And I, said, I go, erase what? I said, it was a FaceTime video. And he goes, you, you better erase it. Get it off your phone. I don't want it anywhere. And I go, want what? Anywhere. There's nothing anywhere. I go, what are you talking about? And he, he's just like, get it off your phone. And I go, it's not on my phone. It wasn't a video. I didn't hack into your iPhone and start recording a video of you getting into the shower. I go, you <laughs> FaceTime me. Sorry, I had to kill that bug. You FaceTime me. Your phone was on the floor shooting up. You did this. It's, 
it definitely in my brain. I can't get the image out of my head. And he's like, all right, I better not see it anywhere. He's like, don't send it to anyone. I go, I can't send it to anyone. I wish I could. I wish I could take it out of my head like a package and put a stamp on it, put it in a box and mail it to somebody else. So they have to deal with it. And I totally forget about it. That's what I wish. But it's nowhere. And then he still brought it up later. He, oh, this is, the, this is the funny thing too. He goes, he said to me, uh, don't tell anyone about this. And I was like, really? This is our little secret? I don't think so, dad. <laughs> no, no, no. That's more weird. Okay. Don't tell me, hey, keep this between us. All right. No, 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 no. I need to tell everyone about this or else it's worse. So there we go. All right. Let's get to a couple articles. <sighs> and then I got to I got to get going, but man, my dad, dude. All right. Here, I saw this on CNBC.com. Stop asking, how are you? Harvard researchers say this is what successful people do when making small talk. So apparently saying, how are you is not good. So let's find out why. How are you? These are the three most useless words in the world of communication. The person asking doesn't really want to know. That's not true. I'd like to know. If I ask you, how are you? I'm curious a little bit. How are you? Don't go on forever about it. But, you know, how are you? Good. If you're bad, tell me. Tell me why. Maybe I can fix it. Maybe I can make you feel better, right? So the person asking doesn't really want to know. And the person responding doesn't tell the truth. That's true. Everyone says good. I always say good. What follows is a lost opportunity and meaningless exchange with zero connection. But the key to making the most out of small talk, according to Harvard researchers, is to simply ask the other person follow-up questions. Wait, so do you say how are you and then ask follow-up questions or you just never say how are you? I'm a little confused. Uh, in a series of experiments, researchers analyzed more than 300 online conversations and found that those who were asked more meaningful follow-up questions, aka questions that aren't how are you or what do you do, found the other person much more likable. When people are instructed to ask more questions, they are perceived as higher in responsiveness, an interpersonal construct that captures listening, understanding, validation, and care. The reason, okay, I kind of know this though. How do you, so how do you move from tongue-tied to being a charismatic, interesting person? It depends on the question you start with and then you can focus on the stream of follow-up questions. Here are seven tactics, how long is this article, to having a meaningful conversation. One, use the ACT trick to start a connection. When was the last time you were in a meeting that didn't start with small talk? When was the last time I was in a fucking meeting? It's a natural way for people to connect. Start with a question that will build up conversation that meets the ACT criteria. A, there's authenticity. C, there's a connection. T, there's a topic that will give them taste of who you are. How about a taste of who you are? Some of those questions might be, what's your current state of mind? What? That's a better question? Don't you sound like a fucking serial killer? Hey, how's it going? I'm Jeff. What's your current state of mind? A little creepy. What are you looking forward to this week? Okay. You, you remind me of a celebrity, but I can't remember which one. Who's someone you relate to? That is so awkward. Harvard, what is this, a bunch of Harvard weirdos who have no actual social skills and they just do a study? Why, why is it disingenuous if I say, how are you? They say, you don't really care, but I'm supposed to just tell everybody, hey, how's it going? You remind me of a celebrity, but I, I, I can't remember which one. I'm lying to your fucking face already twice. You don't remind me of a celebrity, so there's no way I cannot remember which one because I'm just making this shit up. Who's someone you relate to? 
All right, well, that's the first tip. Number two, move beyond the hourly update. The fallback for a lot of people is like the newscast hourly update, traffic, sports, weather, and so on. Drill this into your head. It is a horrible icebreaker. There are a few exceptions, like if it's a genuine interest of yours and your boss or a colleague shares that passion. But try to move on those cliche topics to things that are more important and personal to you. So there's like just an absolute hurricane outside. You live in South Florida. People are dying. There's a guy just like holding on to a telephone pole right outside the window. And you go, anyways, uh, I heard you really like the Pittsburgh Steelers. And people are like, there's fucking people dying outside. You're like, no. I don't see much of that, but I am really interested in the Pittsburgh Steelers. I noticed you were wearing a jersey on Casual Friday, and I'd like to speak to you about that. People outside, ah, ah my cat, <laughs> flying through the air. Anyways, you get it. All right, three, these Harvard researchers, I'd like to see what they look like and what their situation is socially. Three, be in the moment and observe your surroundings. <laughs> Open, oh, you just, well, hey, what's up, man? Your name's Dan, right? These walls are off-white. <laughs> open your eyes before you open your mouth. Find something to focus on in your surroundings, like the piece of art on the wall, a quirky gadget or family picture on their desk, a race car helmet, scattered coins from various countries, and so on. What the fuck? <laughs> where are you? Where there's just randomly... If I'm in a place where there's random scattered coins from various countries, I'd be like, hey, did you notice all those... I wouldn't even have to read this article. I'd be like, what is with all these coins? Is Indiana Jones here? Did he empty his cargo shorts? There's bound to be something that will spark small talk and help lead the conversation into unique follow-up questions. Open your eyes before you open your mouth. Let's say you're talking to the CEO of a large, iconic company who's about to retire. What kind of weird... Who's in that situation? Who, are a lot of people talking to the CEO of large, iconic companies that are about... The person's about, the CEO's about to retire? That happens every day. All right, give me the info. How do, I, how do I approach the CEO of an iconic large company and he's about to retire? What do I do in that situation? <laughs> All right, you might start the question with, how hard is it for you to leave this job? Okay, this will lead to a much deeper and more emotional revealing discussion and it never would have happened had you not noticed those boxes. Four, what? That is so strange to me. That is the weirdest example this is supposed to be for like, this all started with like, don't say, how are you? Here's a better way to interact with people. Cool. Hey, so you know like when you're talking to like, you know, the head of Apple and he's about to retire? You know, it happens a lot. Here's how we'd tell you to go about it. Four, share some news that actually happened. Not like lying to their face that they look like a celebrity. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you have news, by the way, if you're the CEO of a large iconic company, you kind of are a celebrity. Hey, Tim Cook, you remind me of a celebrity. Uh, who's someone you can relate to? Oh, you relate to Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple? That makes sense. That's who you look like. All right, if you have news, share it. I adopted a pet over the weekend, or my six-year-old rode a bike for the first time yesterday. <laughs> yeah, people really give a fuck about that. I have kids, and I definitely know you don't talk to people, random people, about your kids. They don't care. If you're like, if it's like, your kids, friends, parents or something, they kind of care, you know, because you swap stories. But random people, hey, my daughter, <laughs> you should see her. She's really growing fast. <laughs> like, All right. 
Believe it or not, most people do not want to know more about others, especially if they both work at the same company. Oh, do want to know more about others, especially if they both work at the same company. If you're new to a company and leading a team, for example, start your first meeting by going around the room and asking each person to say one interesting thing that recently happened in their lives. As a result of that momentary sharing, you've allowed everyone to feel more personally and genuinely connect with each other. I think that's a good tip. The objective is to be genuine and not simply make something up, like you look like a celebrity. Otherwise, you run the risk of not knowing how to answer follow-up questions about something you have little or no experience with. Five, talk early. Whether you're meeting in person or dialing in for a conference call, talk early. If you wait, two things will probably happen. One, someone else will will make the comment you wanted to make. And two, your more talkative colleagues will will take over with their own follow-up questions. You'll get lost in the crosstalk and miss your chance. Talk early. I like that one a lot, actually. You know what I mean? Just walk into a meeting. Hey, everybody. Got ideas. Hey. They're like, all right, Jeff, we haven't started yet. We're just, everyone's getting coffee and donuts. But I got some things. I like, hey, you, sit, listen. Six, it's not just what you say. No matter how much you say, your tone of voice, facial expression, and eye contact will broadcast so much more. In person, look at the other person when you speak, not at the conference table or the wall. On the phone, smile. It will make your voice sound warmer. That's a trick. Everybody, I feel like everyone knows that, right? It's not just what you say, but how you say it. That will help others connect with you. Seven. Here we go. Make the pivot. This is where small talk goes to the next level. As you segue from talking about something small to the issue at hand. If the conversation is already flowing, it will be easier than you think and ask follow-up questions. Your boss could be the one to make the first step. So, tell me what's going on with X. Thanks to the small talk, you'll already be in sync. You can then pivot to a more meaningful discussion that showcases your knowledge, contribution, and confidence. (laughs) So, tell me what's going on with X. My ex? (laughs) I'm glad you brought it up, boss. (laughs) She's doing really well. I never disconnected from her on social media, and I saw everything. She married a guy who's got a private jet. All right. Just do it. Oh, God. Oh, they're telling who who the author is at the end of this. For introverts, small talk can be painful, but if you say nothing in those moments before a meeting starts or when you and your boss are in the elevator, you run the risk of becoming invisible. That'd be kind of cool. That's a superpower. Hmm. (laughs) No one sees you. First, give yourself a break. Almost everyone is intimidated by others, especially those who outrank them. I remember feeling self-conscious when I met a four-star general at the Pentagon. Okay, this guy obviously does cool shit. And again, feeling that way in a meeting with Britain's then Prime Minister David Cameron. But I took a deep breath and spoke up anyway. (laughs) British Prime Minister David Cameron, your breath stinks. Ah, I had to say it. It's natural to defer to authority. You are who you are, and no one is expecting a soliloquy out of you. But when you make an effort to speak up, others will listen and connect with you. Gary Bernison is the CEO of Corn Ferry, a global consulting firm that helps companies select and hire the best talent. His latest book, a New York Times bestseller, Lose the Resume, Land the Job, shares the kind of straight talk that no one, not a spouse, partner, mentor, or anyone else will tell you. Follow him on LinkedIn here. All right, Gary Bernison. Did I run out of time? I had another article I wanted to read. Let me see what time we're at. Uh, well, let's see. Let's see how long this next article are. Oh, yeah. Oh, here we go. This is easy. Let's get to it. I'm going to be a little late picking you up there, honey. Six major body language turnoffs. Psychology Today. This is from Psychology Today, <coughs> written by Ronald E. Riggio. Riggio. Sounds like a good cheese. 
Grooming is an important part of first impressions, and we often don't think of it as a nonverbal cue. I kind of do, actually. You can't walk in there smelling like body odor with hair growing out of your ears. For many body language cues, such as eye contact, it's all about the amount, neither too little nor too much. Inappropriate negative facial expressions are always a turnoff. Is this news to anybody? You can't walk up to somebody. They're like, uh, you seem happy. <laughs> so much of our attention to others is based on first impressions. That initial impression can color our future interactions with strangers. We can be either turned on or turned off based on what happens in that first encounter. And much of what impresses us is the other person's appearance and nonverbal cues. Yes. Huge boobies, men like that, in a shirt where they're mostly exposed. Uh-huh. Girls tend to like really tall, handsome, good-looking guys. I just wrote the article myself. Of course, there is a great deal of research in social psychology that tells us that attractiveness, being beautiful or handsome, hey, I didn't read this yet, is a primary first impression cue. First impression, I'm hot, you're hot, that person's ugly, let's ignore them. However, being physically attractive is more than just a pretty face. As Beatle George Harrison said, something in the way she moves attracts me like no other. Nonverbal behavior adds or subtracts from how attractive a person appears initially. So, which body language cues are immediate turnoffs? Here we go. Poor grooming. Man, this is, this is like a Captain Obvious commercial. What is that, Priceline? Is that a Priceline thing? Hotwire? Hotels.com. That's what it is. Captain Obvious. Poor grooming. Real quick, can I just say, I think those progressive home insurance commercials are some of the best commercials I've ever seen. The ones where it's like the guy and he's, he's trying to make people not turn into their parents. Those are great. Those are hilarious. I love those. I'm not saying this mocking in any way. Those are really, really funny commercials. All right. Poor grooming. Dirty, greasy hair. Dirt under the fingernails. Always check. Profuse sweating and unkempt clothes are all turnoff cues. Oh, you mean I can't just sweat my balls off with my dirty, greasy hair in front of people? They're going to be turned off by that? Weird. We often don't think of grooming as a nonverbal behavior, but it can speak volumes to others. Great. Tone of voice, number two. Speaking of volume, being too loud or having a whiny nasally can also turn nasally pitch can also turn off others. What if you have a nasally pitch voice? That's kind of messed up. Some people naturally have that kind of voice. Odd vocal cues such as snorting, <laughs> too much throat clearing, <coughs> and the like are also turnoffs. Geez, so you can't just clear your throat? So right before you give a speech, you know, and you like tap the glass and then you go, <coughs> people are gonna be like, nope, not listening to this piece of shit. Of course, what we say verbally in initial encounters is important, but so too is how we say it. Posture, slumped shoulders, awkward stance, nervous shifting can all be turnoff cues. The impression given off by poor posture can be that the person lacks confidence and that they are too invested in the interaction. They aren't too invested. I'm terrible at reading. They are not too invested in the interaction. Maybe they're just nervous. I think it just means they're nervous. Eye contact. Boom. There it is. This is a case of monitoring and controlling the right amount of eye contact. Too little or too much can both be turnoffs. So you're going to fuck up either way. <laughs> Staring at the ground and refusing to look someone in the eye suggests a lack of confidence or disinterest. Too much eye contact or looking too much at the person's body. Hello, hello, hello. 
can also be a turnoff and can appear plain creepy. Yeah. What if that's what you're going for? Oh, this is funny. They have a link. See more on cues of creepiness here. <laughs> we got to read that one next time. Negative facial expressions. In our study of nonverbal cues of seduction, the one consistent finding was that poor nonverbal communications tended to show negative facial expressions, e.g. scowling, angry faces, sad faces, when trying to be seductive. Who's trying to be seductive with an angry face? <laughs> Come on, let's fuck. I'm, I'm fucking angry. I'm sad. I'm sad. You want to have sex with me? <laughs> you want to have sex with me? I'm sad. This isn't working. <laughs> what? All right. Uh, positive facial expressions not only improve your appearance, but it sets a more positive, upbeat tone to the interaction. Oh, so positive equals positive. Got it. This is almost over, guys. Don't worry. Personal space and touch. Similar to eye contact, regulating how far or distant you are, distant you how far or distant you stand near someone and whether and how you touch the other person is important. We have a personal space bubble that, when invaded, makes us anxious. If we desire the closeness, that anxiety can turn to excitement. If we don't welcome the space invasion, it can be an immediate turnoff. Space invasion. <laughs> Aliens, lasers, space invasion. <laughs> the same thing with touch. A good-natured tapping of the shoulder under positive circumstances can be okay. But unwanted touch is an immediate turnoff. Oh my god, I never knew that! If someone doesn't want you to touch them and you just start groping them, they might be turned off by that? So wait, you're telling me someone who does not want me to touch them will be turned off when I just start touching their body? Okay. Psychology today, man. I should just start submitting articles, write my own stuff. Uh, a good nature tapping of the shoulder, blah, blah. Speaking of touch, too much self-touching, hands in pocket, constant rubbing or hand wringing, all turnoffs. Well, I'm fucked, guys, because whenever I talk to somebody, I'm like, hey, nice to meet you. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so what's your name? Oh, I don't want to say, how are you? What, what was that thing? What, what is something you're looking forward to this week, huh? Tell me... <laughs> He looked like a celebrity. Uh, I can't remember which one, though. So, uh, mm, can you just uh, tell me someone you relate to? Are you the CEO of an iconic company and you're about to retire? Oh, it's crazy. All right. Well, I definitely have to leave now. Uh, guys, the email is in the show notes. I'll put that up. I'm going to start trying to crank these out as much as possible. Um, I'm going to start using my Instagram uh, again. Like in a, putting out content, not just posting pictures of like, you know, fun days out or something. So uh, check my Instagram. It's at Jeff Keith. The email's in the show notes, the Jeff Keith Show at gmail.com. Uh, I have two children's books for sale. If you want to put the links in the note, I have a third one being illustrated right now. So, uh, anyways, good to be back. It's going to be a lot more work editing all this stuff, but thanks for hanging out. Thank you for listening to my daddy.